the main ingredient for machine learning is predictive analytics. So what we've decided to do is uh, create uh, several email-related models, which are called, which are our foundational models. And we've been able to optimize these campaigns and provide value for customers based on the based on the predictive analytics we provide prior to campaign deployment. Welcome to Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. We are here to fast track your success by leveraging the power of AI in business. Each episode brings you closer to the cutting edge of technology and entrepreneurship. Let's dive into the world of AI and make extraordinary strides in your journey. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Unlocking the AI Advantage podcast. This is your host, Ramesh Danta. And today, we're going to talk to the founder of an exciting startup uh, based in uh, Berkeley, California. So I'm going to let the founder uh, himself introduce the company and himself. So um, so welcome, Fred Tapshani. Fred, welcome to the show. Hey, Ramesh. Glad to be here. Thanks, everybody. Um, yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about Lox. Um, We've been in the AI ML space since um, August of uh, 2019. Uh, We became a formal company in December of 2020. Um, We are a predictive analytics platform where we could essentially make predictions on marketing campaigns, uh, sports. uh, We're doing CPI predictions now for uh, economic reports and so on. So we're very excited to be part of the AI landscape. It's growing uh, like weeds. It's pretty amazing on um, what you could actually get. There's a lot of noise out there from generative AI and so on. But we also produce advanced gen AI systems um, within each of the bottles we built. Excellent. Hey, Fred, welcome. So you are a COVID baby then? Your company is maybe? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I would say that It was in the basement of my dad's garage where I started the company um, back in 2019. Um, I had uh, moved back in for COVID reasons and so forth. And so I was staying uh, in the basement of the garage. And I said, well, let's get this AI thing started. Uh, Took a few classes at UC Berkeley. uh, Ended up with about six or seven different ML courses um, that I received certifications with from UC Berkeley, Google. Um, I think there was a couple of IBM courses at that time that I took. So, uh, and that's how the company was born. We pivoted a little bit from, um, overall AI research to more focused, uh, ML based, uh, models. And then we begin, we began to build our, uh, foundational models from there. Excellent. Hey, Fred, that's good. Um, so it's a great intro. So now I would like to actually get to know more of you. Sure. So, but uh, not just during the locks uh, time. So I would like to know your your journey. Uh, sure. So tell us a little bit about if this your first startup um, or, or, you know, X number of startups that you already did. So why don't you tell us about your previous journey? Sure, absolutely. So um, I started in the business world in a small magical town called Alamo, California, with about 12,000 population. Um, I started a business there called Mailboxes, etc., cetera, uh, which has been upgraded to the UPS store. Uh, we had the business in Alamo for 13 years, 
uh, it was in a small strip strip mall there. And uh, after taking um, a bunch of MBA classes and graduating with an MBA, I felt that it was really important to uh, allow the citizens of Alamo to give them uh, a little different look. And we created what's called a beta version of mailboxes, et cetera. And we moved across the street, doubled the space, um, and we created what's called uh, the UPS store or the beta version of what the UPS store was. Um, we had an incredible experience where with the new location, uh, our average order volume per customer almost doubled. So we went from, say, $10 a customer in the old store to about $22 a customer in the new store. And uh, we expanded the store, offered um, at that time um, coloring copies, uh, email uh, uh, services for customers. Uh, I think one of the first um, emails we sent out was when um, a customer received a package for their mailbox, we would automatically send them an email at that time. And that was back in the 1990s. So think about, think about that. I remember charging $4 per fax that we sent out. Uh, and fax was a huge line item for us uh, in, in that regard. So yeah, so my journey uh, became a small business. We exited that business uh, at about a, a, a 75X, uh, which was really great. Uh, I think my dad liked that. And so that began my journey into the digital marketing world. Excellent. So you have a business background um, and then you actually started working in the digital space with the email and they didn't even know that you are going to embark on a totally you know, a radical journey within the digital space. So then what happened? So you exited that and then- Yeah, so the, so the distinguishing factor when it came to uh, being able to have an opportunity in the email space was getting my uh, master's degree, right? So you have a master's degree in business administration uh, and this is now 2003 or 2004, uh, two years, about a year or so after we exited the first company. And I was hired by a small Bay Area firm called Vidi Ebi, which is what's called an email service provider. And so what, at the time, um, there weren't too many organizations that were allowing companies that have a large email list to be able to send out to this large email list confidently to land in their inbox. So I became a VP of marketing for their company, um, stayed there for a year and a half and uh, went on to uh, a company called Port 25, which made sophisticated email infrastructure for these email service providers. And uh, that's where I established uh, or became the voice and face of the company of Port 25, uh, which um, was in the email space. Um, they actually supplied this software infrastructure for these very, very powerful email service providers. So Think of companies like MailChimp or think of companies like Constant Contact or think of companies like ActiveCampaign. These, these service providers now have millions and millions of small business customers that they reach out to. And I will create the connection later on in the interview of how we are, how we are servicing these email service providers. So think of companies like Expert Sender in Poland or MailChimp here in the United States that was based in Atlanta. Uh, I know I know Ben Chestnut personally. I was in his office. He sold his company just recently to, in, to just recently to Intuit for twelve billion dollars. So 
the email space is very, very powerful. Um, within, within that time frame, I spent about 10 years at a um, conference, a networking conference called Messaging Anti-Abuse Working Group. Uh, I would say these are probably some of the smartest uh, technicians in 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 all of uh, in 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 the entire world. Uh, we have government entities that are part of uh, Mog. Uh, we have email service providers that are part of Mog. We have anti abuse providers that are part of Mog. And this was a large consortium of about 500 people that are dedicated to the uh, safety of uh, of email. So how does it connect uh, with, uh, actually even before, let me, um, I, I get there. Now, so we talked a little bit about your journey. So now let's formally introduce your company that you're currently, uh, you know, uh, there's Locks, Locks Digital. So um, expand on what it does, uh, how it started and how it evolved since it started. Sure, so like I said, we started the company in my dad's garage back in uh, August of 2019. Um, okay. It, it, first, it, the idea of Locks was to be a, um, a, a, a high-end uh, consulting marketing agency, and we pivoted in October of 2019 to an ML company. So we became a machine learning collective, uh, hiring uh, our first data scientist in January of 2020 to start building and optimizing email campaigns. Uh, Locks Digital, um, the name locks.com is a four-letter domain. The, the MX is very strong, um, and it means liquid oxygen. So Locks is a propellant, a gasoline propellant for spacecraft back in the uh, 40s and 50s. And so in in, in the term of Locks, it was L-O-X, but we added the Z to it at the end to make it Locks digital excellent yeah so then um you pivoted to ml space and uh, you now are an ml company so if i were to uh, if you were to meet an investor in the elevator so i have this one minute and sure. 30 second one minute and three minute pitches <laughs> so pick one of those three and give us a pitch of locks now sure absolutely so locks digital is a predictive analytics platform um, okay. We use um, machine learning specifically, and I think the word artificial intelligence is prostituted around many areas of uh, business because it's really just the overreaching goal. Artificial intelligence is really just the umbrella. So what sits underneath artificial intelligence are components like machine learning, robotics, computer vision, reinforcement learning. Uh, and these are all part of the the AI space. We're our focus is on machine learning, and the main the main ingredient for machine learning is predictive analytics. So what we've decided to do is uh, create uh, several email related models, which are called which are our foundational models, and we've been able to optimize these campaigns and provide value for customers based on the based on the predictive analytics we provide prior to campaign deployment. What we're doing now at the most advanced stage uh, in the most recent uh, quarter of LOX is that we are building in large language models to be able to ask the data of these email campaigns any question that the campaign engineer might want in order to know 
what her expectations are prior to that deployment. So for example, Ramesh, let's say um, the target variable, after a few inputs, what industry she, her campaign is being sent in, uh, the type of email campaign, whether it's a transactional campaign or whether it's a promotional campaign, she can ask the question of the data saying, um, okay, my target variable I want to optimize for is click to open rate. Uh, I'd like to know when is the best day or time to send this email. So after these inputs go in there, she can go into our agent and say, uh, please tell me what the best day to send the email is for the highest open rate or highest click-through rate. And she'll have this data in front of her prior to this campaign. What does this do? Well, it eliminates A-B testing. It saves countless hours for campaign engineers to be able to build these campaigns. And thirdly, what it does is the value that we provide is that she can change her target variable at any given time prior to the campaign. So if she wants to optimize for unsubscribe rates or if she wants to optimize for average order volume, those numbers, assuming you have the data, those numbers will be available to the campaign engineer prior to deployment. The, the question that I have is, try to understand a little bit more, um, is who's your target customer? Is it the service provider or, uh, or a large organization that sends you know, tens of thousands of emails? Or, 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 or a, somebody like me who, who is a customer of an email service provider? Yes, exactly. That's, uh, that's a good question. And so um, we have two types of customers. Enterprise email, which would be one large customer, say an NVIDIA or an Apple that sends out communications. That would be one type of customer we have. That's an enterprise email. So they have, you know, 50 million subscribers like a Home Depot and they want to optimize their campaigns. They would come to us. Uh, they would use something called a, a multimodal campaign uh, where we would we would build in two or three or four different models within the email campaign and optimize it all at once. But the main brunt of the customer and the reason why the 17-year experience in email is so important is because um, I have personal experiences and ties with these powerful email service providers. And the ROI and the value we're bringing to these email service providers are pretty impressive. So for example, the end user would be a customer like yourself, who is a customer who is a customer of the email service provider. Uh, but our core customer is more of a B2B, so we would be more of a the email service providers, the MailChimps of the world, the expert senders of the world, active campaigns, list tracks. Those are those are our type of customers, and and then they would they would market our products to their customers. Okay, so yeah. you would sell to your B two B company that is good. So it now uh, helps me understand that. So it could be a business, could be large business, or it could be a service provider and all. Yes. Yeah. Other question is at the beginning you said you. Logs has evolved, right? Evolved from when it started uh, something, and then afterwards you became an ML company, and then but um, you know you also said it's a predictive analytics company, right? So it's a so predictive analytics is a pretty large field, even though you start maybe email uh, thing. So did you evolve from uh, on the predictive analytics front beyond the email? Are your core market is still the uh, the email? Yeah, we just signed a, a large contract with a company called Expert Sender. They're based in Poland. They're an email service provider. They have okay. they have businesses from anywhere in China to Poland to Brazil. 
They're a large okay. email service provider. I, I can't tell you exact number of customers they have, but I would say it would no. be well into the thousands, uh, maybe okay. maybe even the tens of thousands. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, CEO there, his name is Christoph Jarecki. We um, conducted several demos to him and his technical team on how these predictions prior to deployment are going to help campaign engineers and Got how it. to create an endpoint to be able to pipe in the data to the uh, workflow of the campaign engineer. Ideally, the evolution is we're just at the simplest format. We're just a pipe serving predictions to an endpoint how it how it looks like in a user experience for email service provider customers that's up to the email service provider it doesn't matter how it looks like to us we just want to pipe in the most accurate models so we evolved by be, by beginning to create the first model which is uh, the first foundational model which is the character count character count model so for example uh, what is the optimal character count to get the target variable, the desired target variable? So, for example, um, uh, if a customer were to say, um, okay, uh, my target variable is click to open rate, and I'm sending it to the software technology industry, and I'm sending it as a webinar type of email, um, I should create a shorter email because the urgency is to get registrations for the webinar. So the machine tells us, basically using uh, regression analysis, the, the, the machine learning model tells us, okay, for this software technology industry with the webinar type of email, you should not use more than 150 words in your, in your email to get the optimal number of registrations. Now, if the uh, target variable is revenue per email, the number of words might change. So we give that information to the campaign engineer prior to deployment. Now, that is one of the simpler models that we create, the more sophisticated models. Uh, what we just are in, embarking on now is what's called the object placement model. Where should, the, where should the image go? Where should the call to action button go uh, in the email based on industry and based on uh, campaign type? Uh, and obviously, there are more inputs uh, that we are working on, such as integrating large language models within the data set themselves. So the campaign engineer can ask any question about the webinar type of email and say, okay, my expected registrations are 100 by the end of Friday. Um, please construct this email in a way that I can get 100 uh, registrations by, by, by Friday, for example. Got it. Hey, um, so uh, Fred, uh, just uh, going into the next level of detail on the AI ML friends, right? So because we introduced you, uh, your, your journey, we'll come back to it later on, of course. And then uh, locks. now we have an idea what it is. So the next question is in the AI ML space. So as you know, AI ML space itself has you know, um, significantly uh, exponentially increased over the last three, four years. Yeah. And then much more so with the generative AI yeah. uh, coming in the landscape within the last year. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So we all know, I don't have to repeat this, right? So uh, OpenAI, ChatGPT, you know, so I, it's it's ad nauseum people talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then it brought this large language models yeah. into the forefront. Yeah. And you talked about LLM. So can you talk about large language models, LLMs, in the context of 
the email marketing sure. that you are, uh, you know, Locks is involved in. So we don't have to go into technical weeds, but tell us, like, where, where do you have the large language model for you? Have you built sure. it? Are you leverable something? Those kinds of details. Yeah, we just created a guide for the uh, ability to integrate large language models within the data set of an email campaign. And that's okay. what we're working on right now. Uh, it's, this is good timing and a great question, Ramesh, because large language models can be uh, sophisticated like llamas and ChatGPTs and, and, and BARD and so on. And they can also be very domain specific. Um, yes. Such as creating a large language model that Bloomberg just created called, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the large language, but it's but financial de industry. dedicated to yeah. finance, right? Or yeah. Our large language model, the the corpus that we've built our large language model on, are all email related text. That is very very critical to being able to create a very accurate model based on the different types of campaigns um, for the large language model. So you actually integrate all of the large all of the content of these large language models, and you as a campaign engineer can ask the questions about the data, very specific questions about the data, and be able to get these predictions well into the future prior to sending out the campaign. So yeah. if a domain-specific email, um, we can look at all of the webinars that have ever been sent via email, and we will know the best words to use, the most optimized uh, place to put a call to action, how many words could be used, but the campaign engineer can then drill down into the target variable that she wants. So if okay. she wants to know how many registrations, uh, uh, what is the optimal open rate or click-through rate if I were to send this email on a Friday, she will yep. know that. Uh, what is How many registrations can I expect uh, if I were to send this email on a Sunday? Uh, and then the agent, the chat GPT agent, or the agent that we're using, the large language model, will yep. will take this information, process the information, and spit out metrics. And um, I'd be happy to demo it to you sometime in the future on how this works. Really. But it's really a very, very um, uh, sophisticated way to be able to get campaign metrics prior to deployment. Got it. Excellent, Fred. Thank you. There you have it, folks. Uh, that's the end of today's episode. So we introduced Fred Topshalani, who is the CEO and founder of Locks Digital. So what you heard today is a founder who evolved from a, a brick and mortar kind of a business, who started as a brick and mortar business, uh, like in mailboxes, etc., and uh, you know slowly got started getting into digital space. And afterwards, uh, during COVID. And he attended some courses and then uh, uh, he really got savvy on the AI ML space. And then he started a company, AI ML uh, company in the middle of COVID. And he also pivoted. He explained to us how he pivoted, uh, you know, uh, as when he started, he started as a consulting company then, but he evolved into a, a predictive analytics platform. And we'll be tracking the journey of Locks Digital and Fred as we go along how Locks Digital is going to leverage AIML or how it's going to pivot, how it's going to raise funds. So it's a documentary journey of an AIML company. That's the wrap for today. 
And that's a wrap on another insightful episode. But remember, the power lies in applying what you have learned. If you found value in our conversation today, please share it with others who could benefit, subscribe for more, and consider leaving us a review. Visit theaientrepreneurs.com for more resources, including golden gems of articles, chat GPT prompts, AI tools, tutorials, gifts, and much more. Let's keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Until next time.